So last week I spoke on simple but powerful thought. What do you have? Your, your destiny, your future is not determined by how little or how much you have, but whatever it is that you have in your hand, mix it with faith. What has God said to you? Do it and believe God for great things. Believe him for miracles. And so we, we talked about that. We looked at examples last week, and that applies in every area. We're constantly looking at how big what in front of us is and saying we can't do that. We don't have what it takes to do that. Constantly doing that. We do that in the area of prayer. Well, I don't know how to pray like that. Well, don't pray like that. How do you know how to pray? Pray like that. Like, take what you have and use it. You don't have to, okay, well, I don't know if I have a prayer big enough to affect that. Okay, then pray the prayer you have big enough to affect whatever it's going to affect. Just use what you have and pray. Well, I mean, God, look at our community. It's growing so fast. I mean, how are we ever going to reach it? Forget that. Is there one person you can talk to? Is there one conversation you can have? Is there one person you can begin to pray for? Is there somebody you can open a doorway through love? Just do that. Like, do what's in your hand and believe God for great things. Take one step. Use one thing. There's a great big need financially, and I don't have any money to give. I don't. Do you have a dime in your pocket? I'm serious. God can do with more with a dime and faith than he can do thousands of dollars in unbelief. In fact, when money comes into the picture with unbelief, it usually spells trouble. Somebody wants to control it. Somebody, Give what you have. Do what you can. Do it cheerfully. Do it in faith and watch what God does. I'm just blowing away all kinds of excuses. Just take what you have and step forward in faith. Take what you have. I can't set aside an hour for prayer every morning. Great. What time do you have and when could you pray? But only when I'm driving on my way to work. Only when I'm on the bus on my way to work. Great, pray then. But I can't pray loud. Good, pray soft. Do what you have. Do what you, Step forward in faith and believe God to do the rest. Just believe him to do the rest. And you guys with the little that you have, and we as a church with the little, well, we're not a big church. We can't do that. Great, what can we do? Let's do that. Let's put prayer behind it and let's do it. Oh, I, I better pray over this. Father, there's so much reasoning and unbelief surrounded around what I just said that it needs to be cracked wide open and your people need to be free. There's so much judgment, Father, and comparison that goes on in relationship to that that, God, we need you to come and absolutely liberate us from that so that, God, we are able, without any sense of pressure, obligation, judgment, comparison, Take what we have and step forward in faith. God, what do you want us to do with what we have? We need to hear the word of the Lord. The word of the, word of the Lord will make all the difference to us. And God, sometimes 
Sometimes because we like the place where unbelief leaves us, we don't want to stop and ask you, what is it you want us to do? But God, in this place, faith is going to rise and there's going to be a people that unite together and say, let's stop talking about what we can't do. Let's find out what God is saying to us and do that with what we have. And I thank you, God, for the army that's going to rise up in this place. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, second prayer. Father, I'm going to talk about another topic today. (laughs) And I need you to open our hearts and our ears to what it is that you have to say. It's simple, but I'm asking that it completely change our perspectives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm just going to bring this to you in a really simple way. The title of the sermon is By Many or By Few. So at the beginning of his reign, King Saul, the first king of Israel, recruited 3,000 men. I'm just telling you stories. 2,000 were under his command and the other 1,000 under his son Jonathan's command. And Jonathan took the initiative. He was always taking the initiative. Always stirring up trouble. Seemed to have faith. He took the initiative and he defeated a small Philistine garrison. Well, there was a level of peace that existed that time between the Philistines and Israel. It was on the basis of, Israel, you're not allowed to have any weapons, and if you need anything sharpened, you have to come to us. But otherwise, stay in your place, and we'll have peace. Jonathan had disturbed the status quo. And so the Philistines became angry. And so they rallied together a massive army of 30,000 chariots, 6,000 cavalry, and 60,000 plus foot soldiers. Saul also rallied his somewhat smaller army of 3,000 men. But they had the ark of God with them. So Saul, in obedience to what Samuel the prophet told him, waited for seven days for Samuel to come and offer the sacrifice to God. But Saul's men started to scatter, making him extremely anxious. He took it into his own hands to offer the sacrifice, bringing a stern rebuke from Samuel who showed up just after the sacrifice was offered. The Philistines by this time had flanked Israel to the right, And to the left, and then in the center, they withdrew in order to draw Israel into a trap. Saul's army had now dwindled to a mere 600 men. Meanwhile, Jonathan, Saul's son, along with his armor bearer, secretly set out to spy on the Philistine outpost to the north. They came to a pass that was guarded at the top by a Philistine garrison. And now listen to what happened. 1 Samuel 14, verse 6. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. I want you to understand where his faith is. It's in the covenant that God had with Israel. We are circumcised and in covenant with God. 
They are the uncircumcised. They are the enemies of God. Let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Sure hoping. (laughs) Perhaps he will act in our behalf. Can't be sure, but if we don't act, he's not going to act. So perhaps he will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. That's where Jonathan is, at the bottom of the hill, looking upward to where the Philistine garrison is. What was his armor-bearer's response? Listen to this. Go ahead. Do what you think best. I'm with you all the way. That's from the Message Bible. That's really important, incredibly important. Because if there's more than one who are going to act in faith, they have to be united. They have to be united. They have to hear it together and they have to walk together. They They have to stand together. Division will cause that enterprise to end there. But the armor bearer said, go ahead. Do what you think best. I am with you all the way. Now understand... There were only two swords in Israel. One belonged to Saul, one belonged to Jonathan. Only one of those was here. It belonged to Jonathan. Anybody else in the army had a pitchfork. So we've got one sword, one armor bearer, and a whole garrison of Philistines. We, We sing a lot and talk a lot about David and Goliath, but... Man, this guy Jonathan, what a man of faith. So Jonathan told his armor bearer that the plan was they would reveal themselves to the Philistines. Good plan. (laughs) If the Philistines said, wait until we come down to you, that would be a bad sign. However, if they said, come up here, then that would be a sign that God was about to give them victory. So when Jonathan and his armor-bearer stepped out into the open, the Philistines said, come up here. They said, these these Israelites are like dogs coming out of their holes. Come up here, we'll show you a thing or two. So that was the signal. God's giving us the victory. Jonathan scrambled up, and I want you to picture it. You got the garrison up there, we're going to attack them. It says he scrambled up on all fours. (laughs) Scrambled up on all fours out into the open. It says as soon as he reached the top, Jonathan knocked the first Philistine over and his armor bearer killed him. Within a half an acre, 20 Philistines were on the ground dead. Fear, panic broke out and fear invaded the Philistines' camp. And then, The earth shook. The earth shook. And pandemonium broke out. There is so much more to this story, but simply put, before the day was over, the Philistines were completely defeated. I mean, this victory was so great that Saul was back there, you know, the ark, and he had the ermine and the thummim, and he 
Let's seek the Lord to discern what it is that we're supposed to do. And, and, the, and the pandemonium was breaking out and the victory was already on its way. And finally Saul just said, shut up, let's go fight. And they went and they, because the ark might have been with Saul, but God was with Jonathan. Because Jonathan was willing to act in faith. You can stay in church and gather around the ark. But the presence of God is with people who are willing to move in faith. So here's the point. Advancement or retreat, victory or defeat is not determined by numbers. How many or how few. It's determined by whether the few will take God's word seriously, unite together and act in faith on what God has said. Next story. Had not God humbled the nation of Israel and brought Egypt out of bondage with a mighty hand? Had God not driven out the nations to give Israel possession of the land he had promised to Abraham? Why then were they hiding in caves and in dens? Why then could the Midianites swarm down upon Israel as Judges 6 Verse 5 describes them like a swarm of locusts in number and devour their land and their livestock. But then the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon. The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. At first Gideon argued that if God were with them, he wouldn't be hiding in a well grinding grain, would he? Well then, Go in this your might and save Israel from the hand of the Midians. Do I not send you? At first Gideon argued that if God were with him, he wouldn't be there. But now he's arguing that God's made a mistake. He was no one of stature in Israel. Why would God call and use him? But I will be with you, the angel said. And you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Well, Gideon was not convinced. He was not convinced that it was God talking to him through this angel, so he demanded a sign. He went, he fixed a meal, he brought it back. The angel said, put it there on those stones. He touched the meal. The meal went up in fire. The angel disappeared into the flames, and Gideon decided that it was God that had spoken to him. So though Gideon was convinced he had had the encounter with an angel and He began to hear and he began to obey the voice of God. He began to experience the anointing of God upon him. He was not convinced that God would actually give him victory over the Midianites. And I want you to to empathize with this man because the, the Midianites were a massive army of people. And they were not like a well disciplined troop of men. These were like terrorists invading the land. And so Gideon again demanded a sign to bolster his faith, and twice God complied. I'm not telling you anything new. Twice God complied, and so it was only fair that twice God would now test the faith he had convicted Gideon of. So the massive army gathered to the north, and Gideon managed to gather 32,000 soldiers. 
The anointing of God came upon him. He sent out the sound, and 32,000 men gathered. And then in Judges chapter 7, verse 1, the Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand. Lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. The Message Bible reads in Judges 7, verse 3, Now proclaim in the ears of the people, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. As Graham Cook describes it, you could see the tread marks in the parking lot as 22,000 jumped into their truck, stepped on the gas, and squealed their way home. So of the 32,000 he had gathered, 22,000 were gone, and only 10,000 remained. That's less than one-third, less than 30%. Judges 7, verse 4, the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. So then Gideon is told to take the men down to the water and to divide them in groups based on their method of drinking the water. And so based on that method, we have 9,700 on this side, and we have 300 on this side. And God's going to choose one of these groups. God, of course, chooses 300 men. So that is only 3% of the 10,000, and it's less than 1% of the original 32,000. These 300 men divided into three groups of 100, but they were united in faith. These men knew that they were called by God to bring victory. These men were united with what God had said to Gideon. They were united in faith and their lives were on the line. So only 300 men standing as one in faith against a massive invading army. 300 men together in faith blew their trumpets. 300 men together as one in faith smashed their jars. 300 men together in faith raised their torches high. 300 men together in faith shouted with one voice the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And then 300 men, together in faith, stood still as God caused the factions of this invading army to turn on each other until there was complete pandemonium in the enemy's camp. And then and only then did they call for reinforcements to help them to pursue and destroy the enemy. Once again, Advancement or retreat, victory or defeat, is not determined by numbers. It is determined by whether a few will take God's word seriously, stand united in, and act in faith. Now this takes vision and understanding, so we'll just shortly refer to the story. Most of you are aware of the time when the king of Syria in 2 Kings chapter 6 was upset because he could not defeat Israel. Because somebody was leaking military strategies to Israel's army. When he learned that this was no ordinary mole inside his camp, but it, it was Elijah, the prophet, receiving divine insight, the king of Assyria sent 
horses and chariots and a vast army to capture one prophet, Elijah. And fortunately or unfortunately, his servant was with him. His servant was the first to see as he looked out the window that morning. All of these chariots, all these horsemen, all of these foot soldiers amassed against them. His vision and Elijah's vision were completely different. His state of being and Elijah's state of being were completely opposed. Elijah was absolutely confident. The servant was absolutely terrified. So Elijah prayed for his servant to be brought on the same page as he was. And he asked God to open the servant's eyes to see the spiritual reality that was surrounding. The physical reality was two. One confident, two, against a massive army. That was the natural reality. Once the servant's eyes were opened, he saw the spiritual reality. And filling the mountains that were around them were the chariots of fire. Same chariot of fire that came and took Elijah into heaven. The heaven's armies were surrounding them. And Elijah did not have to fight. He just simply spoke from the authority of heaven and brought blindness upon the army. Funny story, you can read the rest of it later. Funny story of a victory that was won. Elijah understood the spiritual realities that exist for the people of God. If this was true regarding Elijah, how much truer is it for those who have the spirit of the Son of God himself living inside of them? Now you all also remember another story with a different perspective. Forty days they had spied out the land. Forty days they had seen its beauty and its abundance. But ten of them did not see the land that God had promised them. They did not see a land that God was giving them. They did not see a land that God had promised to go before them and drive the enemies out of them. They did not see a land that they could overcome and occupy. They did not see its inhabitants as already defeated. They did not see it through the eyes of faith that Joshua and Caleb saw it with. They saw a land occupied by people far stronger than them, a land protected with fortified cities, a land where giants dwelled that would squish them like grasshoppers, a land that would devour them, a land in which God was bringing them in order to corral them and kill them. They failed to learn through the testing and the trials, through the wilderness, that their existence and their destiny did not depend on the severity or the vastness of that wilderness, but only upon the Word of God, the Word of God that said He had brought them out to bring them in, to give them the land. They had not learned that lesson. Instead, their attitude of murmuring and complaining, their anxiousness and their struggle all the way through the wilderness had 
created layers of unbelief over their heart, and they could not hear with faith what both Caleb and Joshua cried out to them, God will give us this land. They could not hear. They could not see. They could not unite in faith. They could not act in faith. Not because God had not spoken, because they could not see and they could not hear because of their unbelief. Once again, advancement or retreat, victory or defeat, our ability to possess what God has promised us or not is not determined by numbers or size. It is determined by whether the few will take God's word seriously, unite together, and act on it in faith. It is determined by whether we will see what is before us through eyes of faith that are illuminated by the Word of God to us, or whether we will allow unbelief to blind our eyes and crowd out His Word from our hearts. We are able. God can do it, whether by many or by few. The question is, Who are the few? Are they a people of faith? Hallelujah. Here's what I'm convinced. There's been a reason for the pressures that you've been going through. There's been a reason for the trials and the testings that you faced. There's been a reason why it's been so hard for you to lay hold of God, look for Jesus, get a hold of his word, believe that word, and stand in it. And there's a whole lot that are missing this morning and they're still standing in faith and they're still with us. I believe, I said it before, in this house are generals that God has been forging through very difficult circumstances who have already said, though he slay me, I will trust him, but I'm going to move forward, hallelujah, and I'm going to take ground. Hallelujah, that's who you are. How many believe that? Hallelujah. So stand with me. Just a simple thing. It's not how much you have. It's not how much we have or how much we think we can do. It's just take what we have and do what we can do, but do it in faith. Do it in faith. Hallelujah. It's not how big or how small we are. Hallelujah. It's what has God said, and will we unite behind it? Hallelujah. And will we take the land? I declare over this people that this will be a people whose eyes are illuminated by the word of the Lord and the word of the Lord only, who will see the ground before them, the territory that they have to take, only in vision and enlightened by what God has said. Hallelujah. They will see the enemy and the opposition and the obstacles in front of them only in light of the fact that God is with us and God is for us and God has promised us. Hallelujah. And because of that, hallelujah, when God says arise, they will arise. And when God says move forward, they will move forward. And God, when God says do this, they will do it. Because they will be unhindered by unbelief. Hallelujah. And we declare, hallelujah, just speak a repentance right now over any areas where we have, we have allowed layers of unbelief to form. 
rather than deep roots of faith to grow. Hallelujah. And we ask God right now, we speak, hallelujah, to anything is, that is of unbelief and uproot it right now. We command it to be removed from in front of us. Hallelujah. We apply the blood to every area where that power of the blood needs to bring freedom and cleansing and release. Hallelujah. 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 And to any areas where our struggle in faith and our struggle with unbelief has caused us in any way to come out of alignment with God and therefore out of alignment with one another, we declare right now, hallelujah, a synchronizing of our hearts and a uniting of our vision and a uniting of our declarations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then I want to speak over that person that says, don't know if I'm included in that. And I want to reach out and I want to take them and break them right into the center and say, baby, you have no idea how God's going to use you. And what God's going to do with you, what God's going to do with yours. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Step by step, we're moving forward. Little by little, we're taking ground. Hallelujah. Every prayer, a powerful weapon. Strongholds come tumbling down. Hallelujah. This is my story. This is my song. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And these stories are all throughout the Bible. All throughout the testimonies of God in relationship to his people. This is who we are. Hallelujah. We are a people. It doesn't say, therefore, the people who are large in number, great in renown, strong in their abilities, will do strong, will do exploits. It says then. They who know their God. Hallelujah. This is our God. Hallelujah. And we will praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now some of you can only get your hands up this far. Some of you can do this. And some of you can do this. I will take any level that you can raise your hands. Will you raise your hands with me? (laughs) Hallelujah. We now present ourselves to you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We now present ourselves to you. I prophesy over these people, hallelujah, that the Spirit of the Lord will come upon them and they will rise up like the Gideons, like the Davids, like the Joshua's. Hallelujah. They will rise up in His power and His might. They will be clothed in His strength. Hallelujah. They will be clothed in His glory and they will rise up as an army that is fearless. Hallelujah. And having declared that, I now say, Spirit of the Lord, hear me. I have declared the word of the Lord over this people. Now blow, O breath of heaven, upon this army that you have chosen and cause them to rise up. 
breathe within them, breathe upon them, and cause this army to rise up. Let them see what they are called to do and step fearlessly into it, no matter how small it might be. But every step of obedience is a step of victory. In the name of Jesus. Amen.